I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Today, we welcome Clint Carnell, founder and executive chairman of the Orange Twist brand, which is a leading chain of skin treatments featuring everything from cool sculpting to hydrofacials and Botox to all therapy. His business career began when he graduated from Duke University, where he showcased his soccer abilities as a parade All-American and as a member of the youth national team. Today, Clint is a mover and shaker in the explosive field of non-surgical skin health with a broad and deep experience in non-invasive aesthetics, working with multinationals such as Bausch & Lamb and Gambro Healthcare. He is currently CEO of the Hydrofacial Company, a fast-growing and well-recognized private equity-backed Aesthetics Company, where he championed and rebranded the company in 2017. Clint drove the company strategy and culture shift that has resulted in explosive revenue growth and rapidly growing global recognition. So let's rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Clint Carnell. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> We'd like to know a little bit about you. Sure. Where you're from, how, where you grew up, you know, when, what drove you to where you are today? Well, uh, interesting fact, I uh, first, thanks for having me here. Really excited to, to chat with mm. you. Born in Anchorage, Alaska in 1969. So my dad must have been running from something at the time. <laughs> I'm sure on his deathbed he'll tell me. I grew up uh, outside of Seattle in Mill Creek, Washington. Uh, a farm, three boys. We broke every bone, so much so the doctor just gave my mom 10 splints and we kept them in the sock drawer for our fingers. So we had horses, goats, <laughs> chickens, you name it, but mostly a lot of motorized vehicles that, uh, that had us you know, visiting the doctor a lot. A uh, great childhood, really great parents, great brothers. Had a chance to uh, chase a soccer ball uh, well enough to go to school back east. Where'd you go? Duke University. So I'm a Blue Devil. Mm -hmm. Loved to be hated, you know, <laughs> really during basketball season. I, I have to ask you a question because I, I for a while, worked for ESPN uh, in marketing. And I once sure. went to, to uh, shoot some stuff with Coach K. Yeah. And you were a soccer player. And there was a young soccer player there who was – Practicing with the basketball team. Oh, really? Did you ever do that? No, I was. I'm five eight. So I know, but this guy was also five eight. <laughs> no kidding. It was the funniest thing. He walked up and he was like dressed in his practice uniform. Sure. And Coach K said he is a like you, a Parade Magazine National Soccer yeah. Awardee. Yeah. And he knows how to win. And a lot of these kids have yeah. their height and everything, but yeah. they don't know how to win. Yeah, it's it's great you say that. I just had the pleasure, real privilege of. Uh, Having uh, breakfast with Coach K, I went to his uh, Cole Center for Leadership at Fuqua, and wow. it was amazing. I'd never spent time with him and a bunch of amazing individuals, but um, he had talked about that, that he likes to introduce people that just know how to win. Yeah. And culture he's built there, and the reason Duke basketball oh, wins. Oh, he's is, na nationally yeah. famous with that. It's incredible. And an incredible leader he is, incredible man. We got to watch the team practice. He told us what he was trying to accomplish with them. So uh, if you ever uh, get a chance to pick up his book, The Gold Standard, about him coaching the U.S. team. It's mm -hmm. a fascinating reading. It's really about business and life, mm -hmm. uh, less about basketball. Mm -hmm. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a great guy. It's interesting. Your mother was the mother of boys. I have four sons. She has two sons. It means you're tough. So we're <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoarse from screaming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my favorite line to my sons was, do I look like I'm kidding? 
Yes, I. Um, my mother unfortunately um, has passed, but it's uh, you know my dad was our soccer coach, tough guy. You know he was the youngest of four boys, and that was the youngest of two, youngest of three. There was no question in the house who ran the show, and it was my mom yeah. with a mm-hmm. quiet confidence mm-hmm. that uh, dad could be saying stuff, and that was just a reason to wrestle. Mom said something, and you you sat up straight and got your act in, in, in gear. So you got out of Duke, and then what? Yeah, so um, when I was at Duke, I helped start a mail-order soccer company. I was the first employee at that time. Soccer was growing, but if you were an elite soccer player, you couldn't get quality soccer gear. It was all mom and pops. There was no real distribution, so we created a mail-order soccer company called Tensoc, now TSI. I was the first employee, but frankly, um, it was a great experience. I didn't have any equity, but I learned a lot from the, the two gentlemen that started that company. So the picture is you you are playing soccer still competitively, and you get involved in this business, yeah. and you start to learn the big shapes of how business is put yes. together. Yeah, yeah, and it was funny because um, I mean, it, was, it was small. I mean, I shipped some of the first packages, and wow. it, it grew to be quite a successful company, but I'd answer the phone in one accent and then run to ship when it was a return for another <laughs> accent, it was that small. So uh, only a few people caught That's on. Funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean the things you do when you're a small business person. But it was a great experience. That's uh, candidly, when I got out of Duke, uh, Duke turned out doctors, lawyers, and investment bankers, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Those didn't feel right. So I had uh, majored in political science. Figured I'd go work for a while and go to law school. Just. Strangely, I got picked up by Johnson & Johnson, uh, their surgical division, mm-hmm. and um, wasn't qualified, but responded to an ad that was like, are you a winner? It was like an Army recruiting ad. And they had such a bad territory in South Carolina, they couldn't find anybody qualified to get it. And so I got this amazing job at 23 that uh, set, set me on a career in healthcare. That kind of a job is such a coveted thing. I can't tell you how many people I know I'm from Indiana, who sure. graduated and they went, maybe they worked for PepsiCo or something. And yep. all of them, like almost all of them, wanted to end up in that kind of a job because it's just more interesting it's than just, selling soda or it was PNG or whatever. I mean, it's slightly frightening if you go to a doctor and I tell you this. Um, I was 24, 25, and at the surgical scope, helping ophthalmologists guide on putting uh, the first foldable lenses for cataract surgery into people's eyeballs. So it's really an amazing thing when you're sitting there. You learn a lot. You go to the scrub sink. You talk with them afterwards. So uh, it was a real great gift. I was surrounded by people that went on to be amazing pioneers in ophthalmology. So I spent about half my career in ophthalmology with people I still stay mm-hmm. in touch with today. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a fantastic So experience. South Carolina was the first territory and then it yep. expanded fairly quickly, I'm assuming, Yeah, for South you? Carolina and a part of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then um, a company actually was very successful in the mid-90s called Chiron, whose stock was a real high mm-hmm. flyer, purchased our division. And I was moved to Virginia because our, our team was mostly taken out. But the guy who was the number one rep I'd been competing with on the other company said, just get that kid out of my territory and keep him, <laughs> but keep him on our team. So I was full of myself like most 23-year-olds are and should be. It was a great experience. Yeah. Great experience. So how did you get from that experience to well, – what was the next step after that? Let's go back a little bit. Yeah. So in my 20s, I would say classic sales and marketing, mm-hmm. you know, Johnson Johnson, Chiron, Barry Arnett, who I, was, uh, who I mentioned – was like, hey, don't get addicted to this money thing. Like, if you really, if you really want to make money, you really want to be successful. You see those guys in the corner handing out the trophies to us. I said, yeah. He goes, they run companies. Like, don't be a sales guy making all this money. Go run companies. And I hadn't learned finance in college, 
So I took a, a deviation, a significant pay cut, uh, and went to work for a bank software company and learned about the five C's of credit and how investors look at things. And it taught me a lot because all of a sudden I was in these community banks pitching to their board of directors. And I learned that you know putting the deal together is not all accelerator. People want to know what happens when things go badly. And so it taught me a lot about finance and probably has been one of the more impactful things in my career. And, and actually, one of the gentlemen that was my boss, who probably should have fired me because I wasn't immediately successful at it, uh, actually is one of our, our longtime investors and has now come back to help me through the years with different companies. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And those community so funny. bank boards, there's no bullshit with those guys or girls. Yeah. there's yeah. It's like, what is happening? What? Yeah. And you have to tell the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, we, and we had a bank software uh, program that you, you can appreciate. It was for evergreen growing companies. So companies, small businesses or trucking company or landscaping company, you give them a line of credit as the senior lender. And then they're back the next month saying, hey, I'm bumping against this. I need more money. And it's because their businesses are growing so fast. So we had this software program that allowed you to factor their receivables, put their dollars in a lockbox for the bank, got everybody comfortable. And we helped the small business and the bank get a non-recurring fee income. So it was really cool. I was way out of my element. I um, really struggled, but it probably was one of the more significant developments in my career in my 20s. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And anchored in how finance works and anchored in yeah. how to sell to investors, I yeah. would think. Yeah, and so I, I got a call from a recruiter and got picked up for a, a mergers and acquisitions job for Gambra Healthcare. And uh, they were like, hey, we need a salesperson, people that know how to talk to people, put deals together, but we need somebody that understands finance, and it looks like you have a, a good combination. So, you, you know, I get asked a lot now. I just turned 50 a couple days ago. And, Congratulations. Uh, now I'm officially old enough to be a mentor, I guess. <laughs> but uh, all these people are like, what should I do? I'm like, just go do you and work hard. Meet lots of people, do a good job, establish a good reputation, and these little tweaks in your life—it's amazing how they turn you on to mm-hmm. bigger and better things. If you don't look at them as some preordained or predetermined thing, you just have to be able to recognize it. I think so. You know, I've been a CEO now for ten years, and you know, multiple-time entrepreneur. All that screwed-up stuff I did in my twenties, and you know, probably the things I did in soccer and growing up—they perfectly equip you for the the mm-hmm. life that you end up mm-hmm. leading. It's so, true. It's kind it's of true. a goofy thing. Okay, so now you're doing this. You go, you go work for this, this new, I guess, spinoff, effectively, right? Yeah, so I was doing uh, the M&A deal for Gambro. They were consolidating dialysis centers at the time, kidney yeah. dialysis uh, units. And so I was going and buying these facilities. And uh, at that it time— It was early in roll-up stages. Yeah, it was like late 90s. Interestingly, our group was kind of the sales and marketing group. And then there was a clinical group. And we frankly lost out in kind of a political battle between our boss— and the clinical boss and says, we didn't need you guys anymore. I had had a group of doctors that we were trying to get. And they called me one day and said, hey, we're never selling to one of the big guys. We have patients. Uh, we don't know business. You seem to know business. You can't treat patients. Like, why don't you come down for dinner and see if we can do something? And so I went down for dinner. We were, I guess I was 29. And they were really old. They were in their mid-30s at the time. <laughs> and, um, and we scratched it out in a napkin. I went and uh, got a partner who was probably my age now, that was an operations guy. And I went to the bank. Uh, I was Wachovia at the time, and I begged him for some money. I wrote a business plan on like three pages. And I'll be damned, they gave me some money. And we started building dialysis centers. And five years later, Gambro had to buy them back from us. Wow. So that was, so for you uh, and doing how our paths have crossed, this yeah. was an early opportunity for you to learn about the value of numbers, yeah. the value of doing roll-ups and yeah. finding businesses that high, had high margins in them. Yeah, it wasn't, it's not that different. It probably than, wasn't that high a margin, I'm guessing, in that business yeah. as it is in the business you're in now. Low margin, but really a lot of similarities, it was a great pickup, is 
When I was buying the centers, they were in these terrible shopping centers. They weren't particularly well run. The staff was treating the patients like they were dying, not like they were going to live. And, you know, I was a fairly naive 29-year-old. I'm thinking, why am I buying these? Like, couldn't we go do this better? So we built from the ground up beautiful facilities, trained the staff and paid them well, treated the patients like they were going to live with us, not die with us. And the funny thing is that all of the private pay patients all wanted to be treated at what was called Charleston Renal Care. So it was not that dissimilar as build a great facility, Mm -hmm. hire great people, and treat your customers like they're part of your business. And it was a pretty good good formula. There's a big dimension of experience to it. Where does that come from for you as a person? You know, I'm I'm probably not the earliest adopter, but I'm and, and I'm not a hyper consumer, but I'm kind of that second curve. And I just think brands make a big difference. The way a brand talks to you, that tends to attract really good people to work for that brand. You know, I think like my current two roles, that's a really important flywheel, right? Mm-hmm. Create innovation, market it, capture the right clientele, treat them well, they'll tell their friends. And rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just crazy. I hear some of these business models. I hear business people talk, and they're focused purely on the numbers. And EBITDA is really important. But the truth is, if you build a great brand, a great product, you have a relationship with your customer, they'll treat you really well. And yeah. they'll they'll be your best salespeople out there. And the profits fall out of the bottom. As long as you know how to run a P&L, mm-hmm. you should make money if you have a great product and people want to buy it. Probably one of the best brands we know, obviously, Disney in our backyard here. It's amazing over the 100-plus years. Probably not that long yet, but it's close. Yeah, it's Almost getting close, close. isn't it? Um, it's amazing. You know, you think about the tenants. You look at Tesla. It's done so well in and out because Elon Musk has gone out there, built an electric car, engaged with his consumers, and his consumers invest in the stock. Mm-hmm. Right. So as much as the pundits you know, talk about his ability to deliver inventory, not deliver inventory, make cash, you look at Amazon – even Facebook, which is a little controversial right now. But it's really incredible when the community of of people buying your product believe as strongly in the company as the CEO. Mm-hmm. Something magical happens. Mm-hmm. I think business is logic over here. But if you can have the magic, that's the exponential multiplier. I think one of the greatest brand builders of all time was Steve Jobs. Amazing. When you read Walter Isaacson's book about him and how prescient he was and identifying yeah. something long before people wanted it. Yeah. He was so specifically focused on what the consumer relationship to that product was going to be. No. I mean, could we live without the iPhone now? I mean, no, you couldn't live without the things <laughs> that he so was crazy, making right? when he was making crazy. them. I'm getting the shakes right now. It's you <laughs> know, in my briefcase. It's, <laughs> it's like somebody gave you a lobotomy and took part of your brain away from you. So. I walk oh, around so and my family and I collectively must own like 30 Apple products. Oh, my gosh. And every single one of them is perfect. Yeah. Well, as an investor, I haven't had the same foresight because I converted three companies to Apple and never bought enough of the stock to make a difference. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Sometimes, you know. I've done the same thing myself, actually. Sometimes (laughs) entrepreneurs and CEOs are the worst investors because you're busy building what you're building. You go, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just. I I read it when I decided to become a banker. I never finished high school, so I didn't have the same educational path that you had. Um, And one would argue that I've become very successful at what I do. Absolutely. Um, but I learned a long time ago. I read a book that was written by a guy named Peter Lynch. Do yeah. you know who Peter was? Yeah, sure. Walk around. So Peter wrote in his book. It's a it's a fantastic book for everybody to read. Yep. And he was the founder and the and ran the Magellan Fund, which was yeah. arguably the best mutual fund ever. Absolutely. But he said you should only buy and invest in things that you know and understand the business they're in. Totally agree. And I tell this to people now when I give speeches, I talk to customers, and they call me up and they say they want to buy the blah, blah, blah. And I say, do you understand the business they're in? 
So I remind people all the time. And then the second conversation that we have all the time speaks to, well, the market's down. I should be a seller. I'm like, really? (laughs) What does one thing got to do with the other? How about nothing? And here's an idea. Only buy and invest in things that you know and understand or forget you own it and look back at it 10 years from today. And I can pretty much guarantee you, you'll be happy you did that. So now this is a really good opportunity to segue into what I want to talk about, which is the brand. So somehow in this career here, it sounds like your background lent itself to really understanding the value of quality, product, Customer yep. experience. Yeah. So I'm. I can tell because I know you a little bit, yeah. and I know your business well. Yeah. That this is first and foremost in the Orange Twist story, if you will. Yeah. But before we get to the Orange Twist story, I yeah. want to talk about the hydrofacial story because sure. that's an amazing story. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, and maybe I'll, I'll fill in one little piece that may help. Is I was a sales guy, an M and A guy. I didn't appreciate brands for a while, but I got hired by Bausch and Lomb which had been one of the greatest brands. It stood for great eye care. Right. And um, the CEO there at the time fixed Bausch & Lomb. I was working for him. And it was amazing because he based it all on the, the history of Bausch & Lomb as one of the oldest companies in the New York Stock Exchange, the founders, what it meant to provide great eyesight, and then also get all the clutter out. I left Bausch & Lomb in 05. I was running the surgical business, the one that I'd grown up through in my 20s. So all of a sudden I was leading cataract, refractive, vitroretinal, And Bausch really taught me that, wow, you can really do some goofy things as a company, but if you have a great brand and it's steeped in history, your customers will put up with a lot. And it really made an impression. I decided, I was 35, I didn't want to be a big company guy, and that's how I got into aesthetics. I decided to leave Bausch Shalom, become kind of an entrepreneur for a VC-backed company, and it was some of the brands you may know today, uh, Thermage. Fraxel, clear and brilliant. When was this? What year was this? Uh, 2005. Oh, so you were an early yeah. ent- entrant. I was early. I mean, that was during the days of Joan Rivers before the Time Magazine article had come out. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman, you know, where aesthetics were seen almost as like people wanted stuff fixed because they had something wrong with them inside. And we'll, we'll talk about that because there's been a seismic change now mm-hmm. where now it's like hair and nails and diet and exercise. But back in 05, candidly, when I left ophthalmology to go in aesthetics, there was a lot of people giving me the Cocker Spaniel look. <laughs> Tilting their head, thinking, you know, what is he doing? <laughs> to me, it was just intuitive. People were getting older. Yeah, I mean, they were looking at me like that. <laughs> it was demographics for you. Demographics, yeah. You know, and um, and I was really fortunate. We were a small company doing about twenty four million in sales, private, going bankrupt. And uh, the CEO there, Steve Fanning, who's still a very good friend, recruited me. And a year later, we'd fixed the company, took it public, and it gave us the funds to uh, become Sultan Medical. And uh, really helped develop those brands that ladies and, and men still use worldwide now. And Thermage is great for skin tightening. Fraxel is the predecessor to Clear and Brilliant. Clear and Brilliant was kind of the BMW Mini mm-hmm. to uh, to BMW. And uh, real proud. My personal favorite. It's a great product. My absolute personal favorite. It's a great I one? told the girls Clear and Brilliant. I told you when you walked in the door, you said I, you look so great. I said Clear and Brilliant. It's an amazing product. It's and, an amazing uh, product. You know what we thought is I thought these would eventually become maintenance, right? There was an idea that like, hey, I'm getting older, need to be fixed. And I was sitting there talking to women. At that time, it was almost all women, 95% right. of the market. But they weren't saying fix me. They didn't say I want to look 22. They were just saying I don't want to look the way I feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. I thought the doctors and the engineers were kind of missing the boat. And I think I'm real proud Steve and I and that team were one of the first groups, I think, along with the folks that, down there that, uh, that sell Botox to realize that these were more of maintenance as opposed to you're a nail because I've got a hammer. Yeah. Can I say something, too, that just comes through in this room with you is how much respect you have for your customer, how much you get yeah. 
them. And I think that may come from your mom. Probably. You know, that, that model of a person <laughs> yeah. to be reckoned with. Yeah. You know? Mom was mom never claimed she was a feminist, but she was a pretty tough, tough lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one time I remember insulting my, my mom in the living room, my father helped uh, me understand that I should never do that again. <laughs> and so it, uh, it, it was no, there was no beating, but there was the threat of that going on, mm-hmm. I think, at the time. But yeah, definitely an appreciation for the, for the customer. It's a really important difference. What you helped to create, what you created yeah. in those businesses, yeah. I would think. It's interesting. Ba- uh, back at Duke, on the uh, the Duke's doing some work right now. Everybody's familiar with IQ. If you're going to be an executive of any stature, IQ, and it's not formal education. I was the first one to go to college. Nobody in my family had, so I don't put a lot of weight on formal education or what school you went to. I just chased the soccer ball well enough to go to one I probably shouldn't have gotten into. But they talk about IQ is just table stakes. If you're going to be successful, you have to be smart. Mm-hmm. EQ is the ability to understand and read the room, read people, have empathy. But those two things combined can actually be kind of manipulative. Uh, so Duke's focused on DQ, the decency quotient. So they said to be a great leader, IQ, EQ, and then decency. And if you're decent to people, they'll pick up on that. You pick up better people to follow you. They treat people better. And really, I just learned that two weeks ago, and I thought, wow, at 50, I'm getting struck by one of those really cool lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we're trying to introduce into the two companies that I'm helping to helping to lead right now. Well, it's it, really true. That's so true, and yeah. it creates greater trust all the way around, yeah. right? Don't be an asshole. I yeah. mean, it's pretty simple mm-hmm. rule. We all know it, but it's amazing how we let it infect mm-hmm. our company sometimes. So how did you start HydroFacial? What was the impetus? Yeah, so I was, um, I was actually living overseas doing some private equity work, just diligence, kind of in between in between roles, and I uh, got a call from a private equity firm that uh, said, hey, your name uh, is coming up. We're looking at three assets, and they're all in aesthetics. Uh, one is Obagi. Valiant was trying to get rid of the Obagi uh, product, but had a great brand at one time. Uh, Solta Medical, which sounded interesting to go back and kind of fix my old company, and uh, Edge Systems, makers of the hydrofacial product. And so I agreed to due diligence, uh, looked at Obagi quickly, and just felt like it wasn't my skill set. And Solta just had really been kind of torn apart. Now, the brands were still good, but the company would have taken a lot of reassembly. And the private equity firm passed. And I did the diligence on Edge and fell in love with the product. And at the time, we thought pretty much was a nice spa product. Cleanse, extracts, exfoliates, does $45, $50 million in revenue. I think we can do something with this. And uh, we decided to, to acquire the company in December of sixteen. What is the company? Like, what is it technology? Is it scientific knowledge? What is it? Great what question. is it? It's great. It's a movement. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> we, um, I've learned, and by the way, I did not envision doing this when we bought it three years ago. It was a product. You know, it, you sit down and it cleans your skin, it exfoliates and extracts the stuff, the impurities in your skin, and then it hydrates you. That's pretty basic. It turns out that's the three best things you can do for your skin. Uh, it had a good, approachable business model. It worked every time. You get a nice glow. And then you look at the canister and you can see all the crud we pulled out of you. And you're like, I better do that more often. Um, and it was economically approachable. And you could do it all the time. So the price point was accessible to a price broader. Price was good. Good for yeah. all skin types, whether you had dark skin or light skin. And, uh, and people liked it. They loved it. And uh, the two founders have been running the company for 20 years. And they had a wonderful product that had been growing 20%, 25% year over year. And I think what we've done the last three years is we unleashed a pretty interesting category, and we lead that category. We're defining that category. And probably most importantly, we've enlisted tens of thousands of estheticians as our fearless warriors. And once we figured out she was the focal point, and we spoke with her, and we enlisted her, 
Like we've created the hydrofacial nation, and uh, and the thing has just taken off. We've been growing at, you know, fifty five, sixty percent a year on the top and bottom line since then. And, What's the um, experience? The experience that's great because we don't call it a treatment; we do call it an experience. Like our training class is called the hydrofacial experience. We took it on the road, called the world tour globally, and uh, it's simply you know thirty minutes, three steps, best skin of your life. So it feels great. You know, you basically can fall asleep. You see the canister and understand that something worked clinically and your skin has a great glow and there's a good chance when you go out that afternoon all your friends say man you look great <laughs> and um so it's just a really simple it's it's a little bit i joke that one time somebody told me that the reason i like fritos is because your brain hears the crunch right <laughs> and you're you're you taste the salt and so it's like repeat and that's how the bag all goes away when right. you're watching netflix eat repeat <laughs> hydrofacials not that different you know you look great you see that it took care of you and it's very empowering i mean our our purpose is to empower people to face life face first. Mm-hmm. So if there's nothing else you need to do in the day, go get a hydrofacial. You'll mm-hmm. feel better because you took control of something. It's a meta message about self-care, really. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. There's also the fact that it's non-invasive and it's, yes. a, it's a good sort of starter experience for yeah. anybody. And yeah. So what are the numbers of male versus female for hydrofacial? Yeah, it's crazy. So I'll give you the macro numbers. If you're a boomer and you're male, there's like a 5% chance you care about your skin. Like if you washed it, it was like dial soap, mm-hmm. right? If you're an Xer like me, there's about a 15% chance that you're interested in skincare. If you're a millennial, about 40% chance. And if you're Generation Z, like my son's 15 years old, his skincare regimen looks just like my daughter's. Mm-hmm. And it's actually male products for them. So seismic shift in the way men are looking at aesthetics. If you look at our hydrofacial business, it's probably somewhere around 25%. And in Orange Twist, we're up, we're nearing about 30% male participation at our at our center. So massive change. The other thing that's interesting about hydrofacial is men like equipment, right? They feel a little weird about somebody touching their face. We're a bunch of wussies. Like if we think it hurts, <laughs> we run from it. Women have always known beauty hurts. They say about hydrofacial, it doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't. It feels great. And men are every bit as vain. I mean, you guys are around right. men. We're, we're, as, we're as vain, if not more so, than women. Uh, but the machine makes it very approachable. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, 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 there's a yeah. machine It's there. a wonderful experience. It's like a car wash facial. for your face. It is. It's car wash <laughs> for your face. I think uh, we had a certain LA actor. I don't want him to come back and sue us, but he said it, it's like sex for your face. And I thought, okay, we'll take that free endorsement. Uh, but you know, I'm not sure we can put that on a Yeah, it sounds a little t-shirt. raunchy. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> but since, so you got into hydrofacial, and from there, I mean, you now have – from the number of products that there were available 10 years ago to the yep. number of products that are available to now has grown logarithmically. And you've been yeah. at the early stages of that growth. We look at innovation in three ways. Um, there's certainly product innovation, and you have to create good mousetraps. And, and the consumer, frankly, wants those. That's why car companies change and your TV changes, phones, et cetera. So product innovation is really important, and we have a good R&D team. We also look at business innovation. And then we're constantly focused on the experience with the product from the moment people interact with us. We have decided as a company that it's not a B2B sale, us to the esthetician, and it's not a B2C, the esthetician to the consumer. We've decided to combine it all into the hydrofacial nation because we're like, hey, wouldn't our consumers rather spend money with the estheticians that are part of us? So when we launch new products, we have like a hydrofacialist page. We monitor it, but we don't edit it. We found that the community of hydrofacialists, when somebody gets crazy, they'll help them understand they're being crazy. So we have kind of our own Twitter for hydrofacial. We're increasingly doing that with the consumer. And we've just chosen to be a healthy participant in the ecosystem mm. and let people express their opinion and provide feedback. My LinkedIn, I get 
you know, LinkedIn from all walks of life saying, hey, do you know anybody can get me a job at Hydrofacial? And I, I try to answer those. So the brand seems very approachable. So people feel like they can just, you know, ping me on LinkedIn and chat with me for a yeah. little bit. How big is the business now? We are private equity owned, so they don't like me to share too much, mm-hmm. um, but we'll do well over $200 million this year. And there's hydrofacials available all over the country. Globally. Yeah, it was a very Globally. small international business. We're expanding internationally. We've gone direct recently in Shanghai, Tokyo, uh, Madrid. So we've got a sizable international Have you had business. to change the mousetrap? Not much. I mean, skincare, uh, I know, I don't know any Japanese, but I can sit in Tokyo and watch a woman talk with her physician or at a med spa and she has the same concerns as a mm-hmm. as a lady right here in in west hollywood mm-hmm. so it's a pretty universal thing there's subtleties you know if you're in korea it's a sign of uh, prominence if you've if you're a little nicked up from plastic surgery it means your family can afford surgery um <laughs> it's, it's crazy remember that people want to be bandaged and everything <laughs> But if you're in Japan, mm-hmm. men and women still often have separate entrances, and it's very discreet. Mm-hmm. But the underlying desire is the same, just the cultural norms of how you do it may be slightly different. Are you finding um, in the aesthetics business now that the opportunity to look better has now replaced the look younger? Yes, that's great insight. That's absolutely the case. I mean, it's I learned, and I wish I'd known this maybe when I was younger uh, and dating, is don't pretend that you know what somebody wants to change about themselves. Just give them a mirror, say, look, you're beautiful. Just tell me why you're here. And they'll tell you. Because, you know, you, you may say, hey, uh, yeah, we can take care of that nose. I'm like, my gosh, I didn't know I had a big nose till just now. Now that's really a problem. Um, so it's really, really <laughs> oh, important. That's, that's hard so one funny. knowledge yeah, for you. <laughs> it's really important that you just say, hey, we um, at Orange Twist, I think it's, it's pretty clever. We created the Because Campaign. Because everybody comes to us for their because. Mm-hmm. Divorce, getting married, going to be in my daughter's pictures. I know they'll last forever. Lost weight, gained weight, high school reunion, college reunion, uh, seeing an old girlfriend, seeing an old boyfriend. There's always a because, so we try to tease out what that because is, and then we treat them pers- in, a pers- in a personal way. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's fun. I love that. Yeah, and it's well, fun it's if you endless. see our little video vignettes on it. It's really clever. It's, I love that. You know, it's the, the husband at the fancy hotel taking the glimpse at the very attractive 20-some-year-old getting out, of, and the, the wife pushes him in the pool. Like, we all see these things happen in life, and we're part of them, so we make a little – we, we take our treatments very seriously, our ta- staff's very well trained, but we don't take ourselves too mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. So It's an interesting thing, you know, before we met, um, when Jeff, Ken, and I had these conversations yeah. three years ago, yeah. and talking about how and it's so clear to me that the aging of America, the biggest population is the population between 50 and 75. Yeah. By far. Yeah. They're but, also the people with, here's the important thing, money. The money. The and they want to look income. good. Yeah. There are now so many things on the market today, which yeah. I want to have a broader conversation yeah. with you on. So we're sitting around and thinking about where will you get stickiness, yeah. where you have a decent margin, yeah. where you're doing something that people really appreciate and like. Yeah. And then they're going to tell their friends who would say to them, oh, by the way, you look fabulous. Well, this is why I look fabulous. When you walked in the door today, I was telling you that everywhere I've been, I'm out and about all the time, everywhere I've been, people are saying to me, oh, my God, your skin looks great. And I go, thank you so much. I had a clear and brilliant. And they say, well, what is it? And then I tell them what it is. But 
people, it's not that I look different. I yeah. just look refreshed. That's and exactly so it. I don't want to look different. I'm not 20 anymore. No, no. So even though I wouldn't mind being 20 with knowing what I know today, then yeah. I could be like a billionaire. But yeah. <laughs> I could buy Apple when buy it was Apple a dollar. It's a dollar, exactly. <laughs> but no, I wasn't there then. But that's the point of this. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things. And, totally agree. And in the industry that we're in, that industry has changed logarithmically. Yeah. And that there are now so many products yeah. that are on the market today to enhance making you look better yeah, it's and not making you look different. So yeah. now, so you're running Hydrofacial. Life is great. You're yeah. blowing the doors off. Everybody's yeah. got one now. Yeah. And, and you, when you have the equipment in your place, yeah. what do you pair it with to make the experience more yeah. robust? One of the reasons I think Hydrofacial has been successful and we helped define it is when people call, they don't know what they need sometimes. They'll say, hey, I want... I want my lips fuller. Can I have some Botox? Right? So people are confused. One is industry is does what industry does. Feature, benefit, feature, 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 feature. And then you have Dr. Famous, like I'm Dr. Famous with the large mural in my office, right? So we created Orange Twist because we really thought it was about what does he or she want? And then let's become a trusted provider for them in that journey. So we talk about that we really sell trust and confidence. The products will come and go. What hydrofacial does really well is when people call and they say, I think I need this, but I'm not sure. And I saw this. And my friend said that. We just say, you know what? Come on in. Let's treat you with a hydrofacial. Let's chat about it. And with our advisors, why don't we set out on a treatment plan for you? Mm-hmm. Having a healthy skin is like having a healthy canvas to paint on. You know, whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do, okay. have a healthy canvas. So whether you're getting clear and brilliant, clear and brilliant is a great product, but the laser seeks moisture, water in your skin. So if you have dehydrated skin and your skin's not clean, Clear and Brilliant's not going to work as well. So if you have a hydrofacial beforehand, your Clear and Brilliant's going to work better. Your toxins are going to work better, your fillers. So it's just kind of the entry point, and it's a very accessible price point. And at Orange Twist, we often use it as the hook to get people in and establish that relationship, learn a little bit about them. Because our estheticians are a little bit like the hairdresser. (laughs) You'll tell them things that you won't tell your best friend or your spouse. And so it's that opportunity to consult with them during that time that puts them on a journey. Because they say, you know, now my face looks great. I'm worried about these wrinkles or it feels like I'm losing volume or do my eyes look tired? Because I feel like they look tired and people have been telling me that. So if you just listen, we can then put together a treatment plan for people. There are so many different things available today. Yeah. That you, when you have a good esthetician, they'll tell you, well, you can do this and then you can enhance it by doing this. Yeah. And we get a lot of the... People that come in that have means, you know, this is an important distinction. Yeah. It costs a little bit of money to keep yourself looking fresh and nice, but yeah. it doesn't cost that much money. Yeah. It's not a crazy amount of money to go in and have these things done. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, of um, recurring business that happens yeah. as a result of that because people see a result. Yeah. The key is, I mean, you'll you'll still have people that there's still a sub-segment of the market where people want to look different. We all remember when celebrities started getting these treatments and they would look dramatically different. Mm-hmm. You know, and the TMZs of the world would be all over them. Now, if you think about all the leading men and women, they're all getting these treatments. We know they're in our centers. I know they're in our customers at hydrofacial centers, but they don't change. I mean, it's, you're hard-pressed to find celebrities now that are leading that are leading celebrities where you can tell dramatic differences. It's not seen as the right thing, mm-hmm. um, but they look noticeably younger. I mean, you look at some of these leading men somewhere in their 60s. And 50s, that would have been crazy. And the leading women now are in their 40s and 50s. And I think these treatments have helped them look younger, longer. Mm-hmm. And um, so it makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. Yeah. There seems to be some evidence that PRP treatments are helping in male pattern baldness. 
Yeah. Do we have evidence that we can talk about that? Can, can I ask a question? Sure. What is PRP? What does it stand for? What is uh, it? It's platelet-rich platelet plasma. Replacement. Oh, okay. Platelet-rich plasma. So, yeah. like the vampire facial. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is the vampire facial. Yeah, I mean, you're, what you're doing is you're really bringing stem cells out. So, if you look at, like, male baldness, you're, you're usually in the back, they still have a lot of young, mm-hmm. healthy stem cells. So, if you get harvest them young enough, and you're basically, you're doing, like, a form of fractionated treatment. You're creating basically little places for your platelet-rich plasma to go into. And for some men, it can work. Um, for some women, it can work. We're, we don't have that as an approved protocol, though, to say to people, oh, we're going to It's really do- messy. There's no uh, IP or trademarks. So there's been a lot of clinical studies around it. I think, you know, one is um, female and male hair thinning baldness is a big market. And it's, you know, I think most experts agree now it's multifactorial. There's stress factors. There's hormonal changes. You know, there's a lot of things. And so people have thrown a lot of the kitchen sink at them. Hydrofacial, we're actually launching a healthy scalp product, very similar to what we do for the face. Mm-hmm. That's going to have a really unique uh, serum with growth factors developed by a, a world-famous dermatologist. But we're talking about that being in combination with other things. If you think about balding, it was always launched for men. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge female concern. Almost all women are concerned about their hair thinning. And so we're hoping that hydrofacial can help women come in through the hair business and also attract men to the skincare business. Mm, and, interesting. Uh, but it's a fascinating. But yeah, PRP is certainly uh, an interesting product and can be very effective for some people. So the the clientele at the uh, these type of facilities now has a definite male component. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about the growth of the men and how you know what's what's driving the men and what they like when they're there. Yeah, the two things that have been surprising to me four years ago when we started Orange Twist, we didn't we made ours you know a drive up next to a Whole Foods or a Soul Cycle, but when we did that, that was considered crazy. Nobody wants to be seen going into these places, so that was controversial. And I think when Illuminate was founded, you know, a year year and a half later. It has started to take on, and I think that you, Jeff, and Ken took a risk very similar. Now it seems like, well, of course you'd put them next to Soul Cycle and Dry Bar and <laughs> Hair and Nails. What? Are you an idiot? You're going to put them in a doctor's office? Right. But it was pretty crazy four years ago. The second thing is we felt like almost all the treatments, first of all, I don't think women like to be marketed at. And everything was some version of Venus or some version of some female icon or logo. And I thought, gosh, what about if you make it gender neutral? I think women kind of like a gender neutral. They want it to look like their house. You don't usually come in people's houses of means now, and it's like, is definitely all pink feminine, right? Or kind of the dude house. You have your spaces, but beautiful, open spaces, light, artistic, comfortable, clean, not clinical is the, the motif we were working for. We have one room that's typically a man cave, but the truth is women like it just as much as the men, and it's not over the top. And the idea is we didn't want men to feel like they were going to a day spa and getting their toes painted and their, their fingernails painted right out of the chute. And mm-hmm. I think that's been pretty well received. And then we tweak it. We do male-only events. We do female-only events. We'll do bridal events. So I think specific events can drive people in, but the physical facility we think works better if it's relatively neutral right? and feels more like a high-end home. I think all of the orange twists are lovely, the ones that I've seen. They're very nice, nice neutral, yep. you know, not girly. Yeah, we try not to. And I think, you know, I think women um, that go to day spas are men. That's a different day. I'm taking off. Hair, nails, massage, relaxation, drinking the herbal tea and the cucumber water, and I want to be in a dark place. But I think when you're going in for aesthetic treatments, it's more like going to yoga, I'm doing my Pilates, hey, I'm going to zip in and get my neurotoxin, my filler, get my clear and brilliant, whatever that is. We really believe that these are 
we're just we're still early innings, but this will be just like hair and nails. And people forget that hair, nails, diet, and exercise haven't always been things that everybody mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. It took a, it took a while to get there. So yeah, we've seen some changes. I I feel like we're we're early innings, but it's definitely a trend that's huge. And I think one of the larger things that we're seeing in healthcare right now. It's an amazing change from 10 years ago to today. I mean, you used Crazy. to go to your dermatologist's office yeah. and, you know, they started bolting it on and, you know, oh, yeah. hey, do you want Botox? And yeah. the next thing you know, now you can walk into a place like ours under Dr. Yeah. Care. You know, yeah. they're all set by uh, medical practitioners and Absolutely. tell you what's an appropriate thing for you to have done. Yeah. But there's also so many products now. It's fun. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, and they're getting better. I mean, I have pretty good visibility of what's happened in the marketplace. And what I like to see is that things are becoming, I think, more approachable economically. So it's not just for rich people. Mm -hmm. They're getting more maintenance focused and more repeat focused. So, you know, to go in, if you remember during the Great Recession, like facelifts and breast augmentation, just people stopped doing them. Because even if you could afford doing them, it was just in bad taste. Like, it was like buying a brand new Ferrari. You just don't do that when your friends are losing their house. Right. And uh, I think these maintenance treatments will do very well during whatever is the next downturn because it's, it's, it's something people do to take care of themselves. And it's empowering. It's not something you're trying to fix. And I've seen people outside of the space know that. I used to be trying to raise money, whether it was on Wall Street or for these companies to start. And I'd be sitting in a room full of venture capitalists all white males, all over 60. And they'd be looking at me like, <laughs> does this really work? What's he you talking know? about? And Wrinkles is on this your face? just a f- fad? I mean, the things that they would you know, politely hurl at me were pretty. And I'd say, give me your Amex. You're already in this business. You know, it's your wife or your girlfriend. Right, yeah. And, uh, and now- Let those, me read your bill. Is that what you meant? Let me read your bill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the amount of men that have come in this didn't know anything. I'm like, just bring your Amex. I'll show you already where you're getting these, <laughs> that you're already invested. You're purchasing $30,000 worth of these services yeah, you already just, every year. You just year. don't know. You yeah. just don't know. Well, I love the idea that, that it is moving towards greater financial accessibility because yeah. um, that bodes well for- uh, younger people and it also bodes well for absolutely everybody because not everybody can afford to drop you know not everybody is having their hair cut for $250 a pop yeah yeah you know so like yeah. but it's it's kind of finding the right balance because you want it to still have that feeling of specialness yeah. right now with hydrofacial because it is approachable almost every time our team goes somewhere and it says like the reservation hydrofacial 80% of the time the waiter says, you guys, the hydrofacial people, I have one of those. I love those. So you'll hear, I mean, we just did focus groups here in LA, and it was not just the Beverly Hills mm-hmm. person. It was the assistant manager at Taco Bell mm-hmm. that says, I skip going out with my friends once a month so that quarterly I can get a hydrofacial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to make these accessible because a 25-year-old man or woman doesn't need the same things. Right. So, but if you can maintain, just like with diet and exercise, you're not looking for something more dramatic mm-hmm. later. It also coincided perfectly with the fact that now everybody talks about the fact you shouldn't be sitting in the sun. Yeah. And the people in my age group are all sun damaged. Oh, yeah. You know, when we, yeah. what's the name of the little machine that we have where you put your face in and it tells you how much sun damage you have? Yeah, the Vizia. The Vizia. Yeah. So you put your face in just that and then you go, oh my it. God, yeah. I'm such a mess. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, it's the most amazing I thing. I won't do that. I won't Everybody go in should there. do one of those. You walk in and you think, it's oh my God. Crazy. And I grew up on the Jersey Shore yeah. with, with cones like this, we with lemon Crisco, in my hair, right? you know. And now Baby I oil, walk around with hats and sunblock. I mean, everything, all of the products that we sell in our 
place no. have sunblock in them. Everybody knows you don't sit in the it's sun crazy. now. But you, we get the benefit of all these people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s crazy. that have spent all these years getting sun damage, and we get to fix it. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. No, I mean, I'm lucky. I grew up in Seattle for 18 years. I didn't see you the didn't sun see the for the sun. first 18 years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remember college, you know, it was uh, – you'd be looking for a tin roof to lay out on. You know, we go to Myrtle Beach. I mean, oh, my gosh, I think about that. So It's unbelievable. I mean, when you go and get one of those things and you see how much sun damage you have, and now we can fix it. We can fix you it. Now we can make it so much yeah. better for people. No, I mean, getting all the pre-AKs and things like that off are really important. Things like hydrofacial, clear and brilliant, fraxel treatments. Uh, we have BBLs in there. These light laser treatments are just really good. I mean, I, we were talking earlier offline about what do these things do for your face. I mean, you just need to think about like taking care of your lawn. You wouldn't never aerate or fertilize your lawn. It's just the same concept. You have a flat surface. Uh, you need to allow new growth and you need to get rid of the old growth uh, so that you have a healthy complexion. It's that mm -hmm. simple. It's incredible. I think that the opportunity, too, for younger people when they come in, because when I go into our locations, yeah. I see lots of younger people yeah. sitting in the lounge and waiting, yeah. Yeah. and they're all going to, they know now to take care of their skin. Yeah. Yeah. They know now to stay out of the sun. Yeah. You know, it's very unusual. I have a house on the beach in Malibu, and I sit there all, I'm there a lot, yeah. and I see people today, unlike 10 years ago, everybody today walks with a hat on, yeah. they got sunglasses on, you know, people yeah. are much more careful. Yeah. And when you see them walking with nut, you know, their little bathing suits on, I want to smack them. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that. No. no. Our team's really, I wouldn't say forceful, but it's like when I go in, I'm a golfer, and they'll be like, are you wearing your sunscreen? Which sunscreen? Which medical grade? They're always piling the things on. So mm -hmm. it's a fun area of healthcare because people are paying cash. Mm -hmm. They're doing it because they yeah, want to. Yeah, there's no medical reimbursement. Yep. If we make them feel good, they feel great. They tell their friends. Our staff becomes friends with their clients. So I can tell you, when you go into an orange twist, first of all, it smells great, looks great, but everybody in there is having fun. Right. You know, and that's, you don't see that. You don't see that at the urologist's office or the cardiologist's no, office. Well, and it's you also know, everybody's an reading scary magazines. It's an important component of like for a first timer who might be intimidated by even the concept, yeah. right? Yeah. That you come in and you feel like everybody's having a good time and you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. It's funny, you know, now that we have, um, we'll have our 15th center opening with Sephora, we can build them. We can market them. If they don't perform, it's purely because of the team. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. You have the same products, same facilities, same great shopping areas. But if the team doesn't work well together, the, the client feels it. Mm -hmm. let's, our, just, let's tell our listeners in a perfect world sure. what you should do to take care of your skin. What would the regimen be? A woman who's in her 40s, let's say. Yeah. What would the regimen be? So one is consulting with the esthetician to find out good medical-grade skin care. So we carry Zio, Elastin, Sente. Getting good medical-grade skin care, not just pulling stuff off the CVS shelf, is an important starter. Having a good face wash, et cetera. So you want a good daytime cream, good nighttime cream, eye cream if you need it, and a face wash. Hydrofacial, you know, once a month is perfect. Your dermis turns every 28 days. Having light laser treatments like clear and brilliant, and then once or twice a year doing more significant treatments is good because you can kind of reset some of the youth gene with some of those more aggressive treatments. And then it just depends on what your individual needs are. If you're looking for volume, fillers can be great a couple times a year. Toxins, keeping the wrinkles away. And wrinkles are a little bit, I tell people, like clothing. If you leave your suitcase over the weekend when you should have unpacked it, the clothes just look worse. So getting your toxins <laughs> and keeping those dynamic wrinkles from becoming static wrinkles is really, really important because people make judgments on your age. And more importantly, if you look fresh 
and you look healthy, they make that judgment in milliseconds. Mm -hmm. And so these subtle treatments to give you a healthy glow, you know, make you look younger, more vibrant for your age are indicators of people that speak well beyond what even they communicate to you. Um, so, you know, I, I would say it depends upon the individual's needs, but good sunscreen, good creams, good face wash, nice light lasers or skin tightening on a routine basis, and then mm -hmm. toxin fillers really mm -hmm. gives you a nice, a nice regimen. Same thing for men. Same thing for men. Mm -hmm. I, I have another question sort of related to this, and it's about accessibility. So you are in standalone retail units, but you've mm -hmm. done this deal with Sephora. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah. I think more people know where their Sephora is than where their local Orange Twist might be. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, the, uh, the Sephora relationship started with the hydrofacial relationship. So three years ago, uh, we were doing a pilot at hydrofacial with Sephora on a product called Perk. It's kind of a baby treatment. Mm -hmm. And they were looking to bring services in because we all know that retail is struggling with, you know, Amazon proofing your business. And so I really didn't want to sign an exclusive with them, but they were a great team. And we started piloting this and they're actually our largest account now for Hydrofacial. About a year ago, and the way they do it there is if you purchase a certain amount, they make you a VIB beauty member and they treat you at no charge to a perk treatment. It's about 10 minute treatment. And it's pretty significant. We found their customers come in significantly more than the control group and spend <laughs> a lot more. So it's a very engaging treatment for them. So um, the top executives there who are amazing women, uh, amazing leaders, uh, called and said, hey, would you take your hydrofacial hat off and put your orange twist hat on? I said, sure. And they had been asking me about these treatments. I said, you know, I don't know makeup, but I know aesthetics. You know, how about we just get you guys treated? So we started treating them at one of our centers. And uh, they called and said, hey, um, we got a crazy idea to pitch by you would you be interested in building out Orange Twist in Sephora's? And I'm like, what's the catch? They're like, there's no catch. Um, <laughs> we think you do what you do really well. We account for 51 cents of every dollar spent on prestige beauty. And we think there's a real opportunity to be the expert in what we do and help bring people over to Orange Twist. And we think by coming in and having these experiences here, people will buy more from us. So we just really want to be the experts in beauty for men and women. And um, we've got our first one open in November 22nd here in the Grove. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've been fantastic to work for. And I, I can't share the data, but we've just done a pretty exhaustive data set with uh, BCG. And it shows that the consumer is younger. You know, more than twice as many men have come in the facial category the last year, twice as many people under 30. And that the services we have are just really close. So if you get a hydrofacial and you're a neophyte, in the aesthetics business, you're five times more likely to get a neurotoxin. So we feel like there's going to be really good synergy between the footprint that Sephora has, how trusted they are in the beauty space, and our staff and team's ability to have a wonderful orange twist there. The brands fit really well. So it's going to be called Orange Twist at, at Sephora, and we're just really, really excited and about what, it. And what uh, products will we offer there? Uh, so we'll probably be more facial in nature and less body because body is about 45% of our business in a traditional orange twist, which I think tends to demo a little bit older. Cool sculpting. That cool kind sculpting of stuff. is primarily the product. And um, so there we'll definitely do uh, injectables. Uh, we'll do Clear and Brilliant. We think will be a really pro popular product, hydrofacial, uh, and then some other uh, skin tightening devices, Ulthera, maybe the Thermage uh, CPT. Do you guys market at Christmas? Do you have strategies for sharing the experience, the wealth of we do all that? We do. It's interesting because um, our our marketing agency, uh, Moontide, has really been good partners with us. They're in Manhattan Beach, and um, I've learned so much about the digital marketing. So we shoot our own models, shoot the own our own campaigns. We refresh those for seasonal. So we're just getting 
uh, ramped up on the holiday shooting. And so we don't advertently say like, you know, come in the day before Christmas, but we do things like the holiday party mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. It's a really thin, young 20-something, like just stuff in her face at the hors d'oeuvre thing. And a mid-40s woman looking at her like, you know, you can imagine what she's saying with a little bubble cartoon. <laughs> and so it's it's a cool sculpting cartoon. Like, yeah. you can do this because we'll take it off. Right. And you just suggest situations that inspire people versus telling them what to do. Yeah. Which is always an important part of that yeah. respect and relationship in marketing. Yeah. And I think on the brand. I mean, we have people uh-huh. come and say, I, yeah. love, I came to you guys because I love seeing your team. And I love seeing the commercials, and it felt like you guys feel like you'd be my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, we're trying to shove some product down their throat. Right. Um, we're talking about what a great doctor we are. And, and our centers are all board-certified plastic surgeons providing the oversight. Um, they're some of the best in the industry. But surgery is one thing. These non-invasive maintenance treatments are another thing. And so we think there's something for everyone, and we just want really quality medical oversight for when something does go wrong. Mm. These are still our medical yeah, procedures. And you've coincided this beautifully with the fact that it's very clear that people are going to live longer. Yes. They're going to be happy to look better. Yeah. They don't want to look like they're 20. They want to look as good as they can at 50 and 60 and 70. Absolutely. You know, the average, I, I fully expect as I sit here today to live well into my 90s. Yeah. You know, and to feel great and to be oh. able to continue to exercise and bike and, you know, so, you know, taking a lifestyle yeah. brand like this and coinciding yeah. it with the aging of the world, it's no. just fantastic. And people talking about retirement. I mean, I just you know, turned 50 a couple of days ago and I love work. Yeah. It's a blast. But, you know, with our, you know, our Steve Jobs addicted everything around us, you know, your life, your work, and your fun, and your friends, and your colleagues, they just kind of all mix around. So I can't understand this, like, I'm retiring at 62 or 65. That just seems No, especially if you're going to live to 90. I mean, what are you going to do? Only you sit around for 30 years yeah. and go, da-da-da, what am I going to yeah. do now? Well, I don't like, have enough to do to be wasting 30 years doing that. Yeah. And then retirement's <laughs> like the leading precursor to death. Yeah. Right. It's like the leading indicator. So no, I I think people, you know, people now at 50, 60, 70, whatever you choose your your number is are definitely aging mentally 15, 20 years younger. I agree with that 100%. I have a lot of clients in their 70s that are working and filled with life and vigor a lot. Yeah. I mean, I probably have 20 or 25% of my client base are people in their 70s that have no intention of retiring. And once they figure out how to solve the memory loss problem. Yeah. Life is going to be great. Yeah. And I think it's right around the corner. Yeah. So you've solved the problem of keeping people looking good. Yeah. <laughs> now we need to solve the memory loss problem, and then it's a no, full no, green light. We're good to go. <laughs> we're, we're good, good to, to go. go. Store ourselves. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we say goodbye to you? No, it's been fun. Yeah, been great really conversation. No. Really interesting yeah. business. So interesting. Yeah, no, we, um, we've got great plans for Orange Twist and uh, – Hydrofacial is a part of that. It's kind of funny eating your own dog food, but uh, <laughs> it gives me a great view. I, lo- I look back now at my career and think, man, couldn't have chosen a better place at this point in my life. So I really feel fortunate yeah. to have two fun companies with really, really, really fun employees and uh, and great clients. So going to work is like, really, I get paid to do this stuff? <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty it's awesome. been fantastic spending this time with you. Yeah, I'm very you. excited to be partners with Appreciate you. I'm excited goes. about our future. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Next on Say It Forward, we talk with artist Kim McCarty about her extraordinary life at the center of the California art scene. Her compelling fluid figures painted in a large scale are in some of the most prestigious private collections and museums, including the Hammer Museum in L.A. and the Museum of Modern Art in New York. 
Kim talks about the early life move with her sisters from Ohio to Switzerland, fueled by her father's ambition, to her young adult years creating the foundation that still shapes American contemporary art collections to this day. At 22, she married Michael McCarty, whose L.A. and New York restaurant, Michael's, helped put notable chefs like Nancy Silverton, Jonathan Waxman, and countless other top chefs in America on the map. This is one very cool but incredibly approachable couple who grow grapes for award-winning Pinot Noir on their home property just as a side hustle. Kim modestly describes herself as Michael's sidekick, but Kim's amazing art complements the delicious restaurant experience that her trailblazing entrepreneur husband brings to his guests every day. So join us as we rewind to the beginning with artist Kim McCarty on the next Say It Forward. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 